When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, Secret Squad. I have a very special episode of I've Got a Secret for You All today. Geneva Carr is a Tony-nominated actress currently playing Marissa Morgan on my favorite show, Bull. Bull was created by Philip and airs on CBS. Both him and our son Jay produce it. I'm so proud of both of them. Geneva and I have become friends through social media over the years, and when she mentioned she was going to be in Los Angeles, I said that I needed to have her on the podcast. So today's episode is going to be nothing but fun. Sit back and enjoy some girl time with me and Geneva, Secret Squad. So welcome, Geneva. Thank you so much for having me, Robin. Oh my gosh. I said we become friends over social media. That's just one outlet. We became the best of friends, I have to say, when I visited New York and came on the set of Bull. Do you remember that first time? I remember that first time. You had some very good ideas, as I recall, as well. (laughs) Well, I can't believe it's been... How many years ago was that? Five years. Can you believe that? No. It feels like yesterday. It does. (laughs) It does feel like yesterday. And We have become such good friends through our association, of course, with Bull and because of Philip's career before we came out here to Hollywood. And I have been waiting and waiting for you to come here to L.A. so we could just sit down and be just girlfriends. And now here you are. I am finally here. (laughs) So it's so wonderful to get together in person. Like I said, it's been long overdue. How was your trip to LA? My trip to LA has been fantastic. It's hard because we shoot nine and a half months of the year and, you know, season five heading into season six. But I had a break and I thought I'm going to come out here and see you in person and see this gorgeous studio and just talk about the good stuff. And I got plenty of secrets. So. Oh, yay. And we want to hear all of them because what's girl time if we can't share secrets, right? I don't know how we ever got by without support from each other. I mean, ladies have always been the ones who lift me. I went to Mount Holyoke. It's a women's college. But girl power is where it's at. I totally agree. So now, first of all, be honest. How are Philip and Jay to work with? Oh, I can be honest. They are fantastic. I was just saying to you, he's an incredible listener. And what I think that Dr. Phil's gift, just when you talk to him, I feel like I can fully be myself because he's really listening. And I end up saying things that I did not anticipate (laughs) because I'm disarmed because I'm so comfortable. I think that that is really the skill. But I think that's the skill that Michael has. That's why I think the Dr. Bull works. Because Dr. Bull, as you know, in case somebody doesn't, it was inspired by your husband's life. And Michael has that skill of disarming people by just listening. So five years in, I'm still addicted. I love it. Oh, that's so wonderful. And I have to say, I said that the show was created by Philip, but here's one secret for everyone. It was actually more created by Jay. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. Yes, because he was at the house one day and said, Dad, we need to create a show based on your life before Dr. Phil. 
the whole courtroom sciences. Yeah. So it was really, I'm going to say, created more by Jay. Well, he was very smart to do it because nobody's ever done a show yeah. like it. Yes. And even internationally, people are fascinated by our justice system. Yes. And this is like the side angle. It's jury consulting. We call it trial science. Yes. But it's what goes into picking a jury. And that's, as you know, Dr. Phil, that's what he did. Yes. And I don't think a lot of people know that Marissa Morgan is based on a real person. That's right. That's right. You know, when I watch the show, Bull, I really can relate because it truly is based on the life we all lived before we came out to Hollywood. And even then, I can remember Philip doing his thing. And no, I never went to work with him every day, ever, uh, like I do here in Hollywood. But uh, he, he was brilliant then. I, I say that all the time, like, I think my husband is brilliant. But when he did that job... But he created the field. Yes, the field did. existed, but what he did in the field... Mm -hmm up to the game. And I don't think people understand what jury consulting is. That's why I love the show yes. and I love the angle of it, that it's, you know, you hire Tack with Dr. Bull to pick the right jury. And it's it's a science. So Marissa Morgan does all the statistics, yes. but Dr. Bull does all the emotional stuff and he reads people. So I think that's why we fit together. I agree. And I'm excited for season six and oh, to see what happens. It's going to be so much fun. Marissa Morgan, for all of you listening, is such a strong, intelligent character. I love seeing strong women like Marissa on television. So you are so good at what you do. And like you just said, your character truly is based on a real person. On a real person. Yes. She was Dr. Phil's, I guess, right hand at the yes. company. Yes. And I, I love this story that Dr. Phil told me that she wore very nice outfits. And he said a couple of times in court, the judge would say, young lady, that skirt is too short. You're yes. going to have to go and change. So I thought that was kind of funny. So I just wear the zippers. I wear a lot of Roland Murray on the show. Yes, you do. I, I check out what you're wearing every time, every night when we watch. I check out what you're wearing. It's, it's pretty exciting. <laughs> so let me tell you this for the podcast. We do two things for every podcast. And one is we have a drink of the day. And now usually we do this later in the episode. But since you're here in person and we're able to have some girl time, we're going to hop right into the drink of the day. So it's right before lunchtime and we're going to do a delicious Bloody Maria today. Mm. And in this Bloody Maria, it has two ounces of tequila, four ounces of tomato juice, one half ounce lemon juice, one half tablespoon horseradish, and four dashes of Worcestershire sauce, two dashes of Tabasco and Tapatio, one pinch of celery salt and ground black pepper. <laughs> so you combine all of the ingredients in a mixing glass and stir together, pour into a glass with ice and garnish however you'd like. Mine is rimmed with tahini and garnished with a lime wedge, celery stick and blue cheese olives. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Ooh, I've yeah. never had a Bloody Mary in my life. Really? So this is a Ooh. new experience. Ooh, glass straw. Well, we said Bloody Maria. Bloody Maria because of, Maria because of tequila. Oh, heavens. Yum, this is so delicious. The tahini is amazing. Oh. Mm. So for all of you listeners, go to I've Got a Secret with RobinMcGraw.com, and you can get the recipe, and you can see how beautiful this drink is. Mmm, that's delicious. Tasty. Ooh, we're going to have so much fun. <laughs> well, I want the <laughs> listeners to know everything about you. So can you tell everyone about the paths that led you to acting? Wow. Well, in a nutshell, I lived in 11 states growing up. Uh, 
No, my dad was not in the military. A lot of people ask that. He changed jobs a lot. So we moved every six to eight months. I was born in Mississippi, but I lived in Louisiana, North Carolina, South Carolina, Michigan, Wisconsin. Lived in Alabama for three years, but we moved every six months, so I was in six different school districts. So what that does to a person, it makes you not shy. And the good part of that is home is wherever we were. So I was never homesick until I'd lived in New York for about a decade and I went on tour and then I felt homesick. But for me, home is just where I'm at. So I think it can do damage, but for me, it kind of made parts of my personality that I love. I can land on my feet. I am not afraid to start over and to move and to embrace new challenges. And so I, I then I went to Mount Holyoke, which is in Michigan. It's the oldest women's college in the world. And I studied French. And I went and did a junior abroad. And when I got to France, I just fell in love with the country and the culture. So at the time, I thought, how on earth do I get back there? I ended up getting an MBA. And I worked in banking there. And then I got transferred to New York. And I was a banker. And I have to be honest, it was a job. But my heart wasn't in it. And one night, uh, I went to see a play. Now, this is a little odd, but when I was in high school, I was really into acting. You know, I was in Arsenic and Old Lace, and I had, you know, they put the lines in your face and you play, I forget which, you know, the oldest of the aunties. And there was a teacher that I had really loved. And when I moved back from France, somebody sent me some mail from Mount Holyoke. I'd been gone for several years. And I opened up a letter, and one of my teachers had written a book about why you should teach writing and acting to children. And he wrote and said, you're in the book. I want you to come to the book signing. So this letter was four years old. I show up. Uh, I look at the address. He was my neighbor. So I contacted him. And he said, I knew you were going to move to New York and be an actor. And I said, no, I just got back from Paris. I'm a banker. But we reconnected. His name is Daniel Judas Galar. And he is a writer and a teaching artist that travels all over the country. And he wrote a book about why he did it. And I was in the book. So, of course, I read the book. And he took me to see a play. I went to see a play at EST, Ensemble Studio Theater, tiny little black box theater, three people on stage, 10 in the audience. Uh, Victor Slezak, who just guested on Bull recently, Suzanne Shepard, who was Camilla's mother in The Sopranos, Francis Conroy, who was in Six Feet Under, they were on stage. And I had seen so little live theater that it was, it was probably smaller than this little area, but I was so blown away by watching people live and tell their stories. I just thought, this is what I want to do. I want to tell stories that make people feel less alone. So I changed my whole life. I became an actor, and I struggled and waited tables and did everything that people do to act. It took me a long time to land here, but I wanted to do it. And when you when you face a 20-year battle to make it because you want to do something, that's all you need to do. I speak a lot to young people. You know, once you're an actor, they always ask you. The first thing I say is don't give your kids any money. If they want it, they will do it. Yes. So, But the other thing is if you love it, it will sustain you forever. That's all you have to do. What do you want to do? What do you care about? For me, it was telling stories. And if one person feels like they've been given witness to something they experienced, my job is done. 
so that's my journey. That's what I want to accomplish. And along the way, I started doing commercials and plays and movies and all kinds of things. And the Broadway was a big break for me. I did a play on Broadway that was amazing. And then that led me to Bull. And Bull has been unbelievably generous. It's, yes, you make better money in television, but the truth is being a person going into people's homes once a week is just such a gift because you can't hide anything. You have to be authentic. And when people start writing for you, you know, Marissa's just me with a better clothing budget. Mm-hmm. So it's just been fulfilling and you get to guide your journey. So I feel like I have a partner in crime and I'm I'm on this journey. I'm not alone. And I love, you know, the job, the cast. It's just been a gift. So that's how oh. I landed here. Oh. And I'm really happy to be here. I love your story. Oh, you're oh, so that's sweet. beautiful. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Broadway is just so magical. So what's your favorite show on Broadway? Well, to be honest, the favorite show I ever did was Hand to God because I was in it. Um, And who knows, that show will have a life. It's been produced all over the country. Um, Mm. I will tell you, Hamilton, I saw Christopher Jackson in Hamilton, and I'm assuming you saw it as well. Yes. Yes. Wow, did that. Because I'd heard all the hype. And when you hear all the hype, you think, oh, God, can it be that good? So I went in with chip on my shoulder thinking I'd spent too much money. I wanted to throw more money at the stage. Mm -hmm. I... I, I went by myself, really? and I was so at intermission. I just had to start talking to people, and uh-huh. we were hugging each other. And yes. didn't you love this? And didn't yes. you love that? And yes. there's an amazing thing about Broadway that you're not alone. You're watching with strangers, uh-huh. mm-hmm. and every Broadway show I go to, I end up talking to people around mm-hmm. me. I agree because we're all experiencing the same thing, mm-hmm. and it's that one performance. Yes. And you're just you're all everyone's looking up there and mesmerized by what we're all seeing. And you're right about Hamilton. I went almost with a chip on my shoulder because I'd heard so much about it. Right. And I thought, oh, it can't be that great. And there was just a buzz in the air before it ever started. Right. And I kind of feel that buzz at every Broadway show, though. Uh, and we I love think, our Broadway buzz. Yes, we just love that. We yes. get very jazzed about performing. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and, I, and I love it. I love it. But but it was different at Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, and I thought, oh, it can't be this great. But I don't know. It, it was just hypnotic, really. They, they reinvented the wheel. Yes. They, they did things that you didn't expect. Yes. Crazy casting choices that absolutely worked. Yeah. And so because we were all caught off guard, we all went on this journey together and it was a new type of show. And I think it will it will influence theater for the next hundred years. I just am so happy for you and anyone else that gets to perform on Broadway. It is it is unbelievable. It is such a gift just being on stage and in the show that I was in. I mean, those actors. I, if they called me today, I'd, I'd give a kidney. I oh, mean, they're just, you go through, it's like going through battle because mm-hmm. it's live and crazy things can yes. happen. In the show, I, my son is trying to hurt himself, so I have to try to stop him. And he has this hammer, and instead of hitting his own hand, he ends up hitting mine. So it's, you know, the mother comes mm-hmm. in and saves her son, and mm-hmm. it's a, a beautiful way that they connect. And by the way, it's a comedy. But oh. um, at that moment, I tripped on something. <gasps> 
So I, I have to get this hammer. There's a whole blood pack, and the audience sees the blood, and I tripped. And I fell, but I flew in the air like a flying squirrel. And the poor guy that I was acting with, I just landed smack. And the, the guy who's, you know, watching, there's a camera, and he's watching to see if he's going to drop the curtain. He was like, how many seconds do I give her to see if she's actually going to wake up and be with us? Oh. So I ended up waking up. Maybe it was 30 seconds. And there was a prop was a finger because my finger goes missing and I woke up and I just saw my finger rolling off the stage and I like oh, came no. to and started screaming ah, ah, as if I was in pain I just I had to jump back in there in the show and that night I had friends at the show and they said oh we loved it that choreography was so inventive oh you were amazing yeah, I, flew. <laughs> I flew on purpose oh my gosh I survived and you just we had another instance in the show where Somebody in the audience just decided to go and charge his phone on stage. So he crawled up to charge his phone. You're it, kidding no, me. No, no. There's some crazy people going to Broadway. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That is unbelievable. So tell me how you felt when you got nominated for a Tony. <sighs> I, it was the most surprising thing that's ever happened because you kind of know who's going to be nominated. And there was one article that said, the dark horse, Geneva Carr, might pull this out. And in the morning, you wake up and you check the news at eight o'clock because you just want to know who's nominated. And of course, it was alphabetical. So it was Geneva Carr. <gasps> and you know, Helen Mirren thought, who's that? Who's that? <laughs> but I, I was oh. so nervous and excited. I can't tell you who read that. I, it's, I'm drawing a blank because it was so crazy. The night of, it, it's magic. You, you borrow a gorgeous dress. You yeah. just can't believe you're in. And they, when you borrow the dress, you, you go to a room about the size of the studio, dresses everywhere. And I went to that red dress and said, can I try that one on? And I just knew. They made you try on 10 other ones. And I wore that gorgeous dress. Oh, yes. I borrowed a bunch of jewelry. And the greatest thing is Anna Wintour. So um, uh, Don O'Neill from um, Thea dressed me. And oh. it was a big favor because I wasn't anybody. And then Anna Wintour reached out and said she wanted to dress me. <gasps> and I had to say no. I, I wrote her people and I said, I'm so moved, but I've already given my word to someone. And as a woman of her word, I'm yeah. sure that Anna will understand. Yeah. They, they weren't terribly understanding. Oh, really? Um, but I did see Anna that night. I did look fabulous. I made every single best dress list here and in England. So there you go. And I so when it. I started, I said, Anna, hi, it's so nice to meet you. I'm sure she was stunned by my familiarity, but yeah, I thought, hey, next time, babe. I love, um, it. I love it. But I'd given my word yes. and I thought she has to respect that. Yes. And then I was very lucky to make all the lists and I borrowed, you know, beautiful jewelry I and it's just actually the woman who does my makeup on the show did my makeup for the Tonys. Oh. She, I had done several movies with her. I just called Joelle and said, could you do me this favor? And she did. And it's, it was just a magical night. You have a show, a matinee, so you're just having the best time. It's yeah. packed. And then they take you through. You get dressed really quickly, and you go through your red carpets and do all these interviews. And this is crazy to say, but I knew I wouldn't win. I knew oh. that Helen would. So I got to relax. <laughs> right when I was there for a second, I thought, what if I do win? And what, who am I going to thank? What am I going to do? Uh -huh, uh -huh. But they, they, I was very early in the game. The only oh. thing I did is during a commercial break, I ran to Helen and said, can we get our picture together? And she is exactly who you think she is. Oh, wonderful. I love the, hearing that. The most down-to-earth, kind, funny, wonderful. Her first day off after her show, the queen that she won the Tony uh -huh, for, uh -huh. she came to see me. <gasps> 
Oh, I love that. Isn't that amazing? And when I came downstairs, she said, I just had to beat you before I saw you. <gasps> oh, I love hearing that. I'll tell you another story about her. Yes. So after the Tonys, she had a party at her house, and she went around and invited the crew, everybody, everybody. And one of the crew guys said, oh, no, I'm just, I'm filling in for, you know, Jim. He's not here. And she said, well, you're a part of the team today, and you're welcome to my house. Oh, my gosh. Well, I know I we were that. all so moved by that. I it so doesn't even our show. But she's <gasps> just amazing. I love that. It, just everybody. It was just such uh, an inclusive feeling. And it feels small. It almost feels like high school because oh. it doesn't feel uh -huh. too big to embrace. Uh -huh. The Tonys are amazing. You know, the commercial breaks, you get to say hi. Afterwards, there's one party after another. And it's just magical. You know, you oh. go to Tommy Toon's room and dance a little bit. You hang out with, you know, just people oh. you've always wanted to meet. I met Sting. It was oh. very exciting because oh. Michael just adores Sting. So I have a picture with me and Sting from oh, Michael. Oh, that's so wonderful. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, I just love that for you. So working on a television set is a lot different than performing in a Broadway play. Do you prefer one to the other? Both mediums have their fun. Performing live in front of an audience is, as you know, mm -hmm. is really great because the audience makes another character in the production. Yes. Uh, in order to fulfill that performing need, I just use the crew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we have a great crew. Yes. And they're they're very involved in the show and our characters. I remember I had one scene with Michael, season three. I'll mm -hmm. never forget it. It was Dr. Bull had just come out of rehab and we were trying to get his life back together. And he was kind of being a jerk. I love it when Dr. Bull is a jerk. <laughs> and I got to knock him down a peg and I said, you know, not everybody can afford to go to rehab like you. Some of us are not as lucky. And it was just a way of putting him in his place and saying, you know, remember that you have privilege. Mm -hmm. And it forced him to look at himself. And the sound guy, you know, we have the, the guys with the boom. I, I, it always looks like they've got a fuzzy kitty on the end of yes, the stick. Yes. And they always look bored. And that day he looked bored and then he said, man, that's a really good scene. And I was so touched that the guy holding the boom oh, was involved. That. And that's what the set is like. Oh. They're involved in our characters. They care for us. And occasionally they write me on Instagram. That's why I love social oh, media. Yes. Several crew members have written me and, you know, said things. You know, we have your back or we love that oh. show or that was, you know, a great time. They're really supportive and it's nice to have that. Mm -hmm. I agree. You, you work there 45 to 65 hours a week. Oh, wow. Yes. You know TV is demanding. Yes. I have to say, I love it when cameramen will come up to us after a show and say, oh, that was a great show today. I'm going to use that information with my child or with my family. Or we'll come up to Philip and say, a particular show was so meaningful to them and, and or give Philip an update on how one particular show really changed their life and because every cameraman has been with Philip since season one. Now, sadly, we lost a cameraman a few years ago to death, so he's had to replace one or two for sad reasons, but he basically has every cameraman and the crew, everyone has been with him since season one. So it's like family. It is family. And when you, because it is performance as well, mm -hmm. when you are working with people that you trust, 
it's like a theater troupe. Mm -hmm. It's, they will go to bat for you, you go Mm -hmm. to bat for them. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan, even when I did a lot of theater, um, I'm a big fan of working with the same people because Mm -hmm. there's a shorthand that happens when you know what to expect or you know somebody's mood. There's something magical that happens. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like we're a theater troupe, uh-huh. and that's okay. what makes great. But TV in all its forms, mm-hmm. when you think of it, like Dr. Phil shows, you if you remember something and years later, you'll know how to deal with someone mm-hmm. or how to face a problem. Mm-hmm. That's why I think TV is so immediate mm-hmm. because it reflects what we're all going through. But it helps us move forward together. Mm-hmm. And listen, I love movies, and you can take a movie and remember it forever and mm-hmm. see it again and again. But TV's so fast; mm-hmm. it's it's live, and especially shows like that. It's they're happening now. Yes, yes, with I agree. COVID, and you know, this is a worldwide event. We've had mm-hmm. to lean on each other. Yes, I agree. So after college, you moved to Paris. So how was that? I think it sounds like a dream come true. And before you answer that, I have to say that uh, I actually was a guest on Philip's podcast probably a couple of years ago for our anniversary. It was during the month of August, and we were talking about our anniversary. And he was asking me a question, and I can't really remember the question, but it was something about if we hadn't met and gotten married and you weren't living the life you're living with me right now, Where? what do you think you would be doing? Where would you be? And I said, oh, I'd be in Paris. <laughs> and, he, and it surprised him. I remember him going, what? I said, yeah, I'd be living in Paris. He goes, well, just go live in Paris. <laughs> well, I think we should go to Paris together. I do too. I do know where to shop in Paris. Oh, That's I one thing that. I've, I've got down, where to eat and where to shop. Oh, I love that um, because I've, I've done a few girls trips to Paris. I've taken some friends to Paris, girlfriends. Because I love Paris, and I just love that you were in Paris. What was that like? Well, I'm going to Paris uh, in about 10, two weeks, oh, I guess. Really? Because, so I wasn't an exchange student, but when I went there, before I started college, I had to make money, so I taught English. And this girl that I taught English to is one of my besties. Talked to her every week. My phone was ringing earlier when I landed, and it was her. It was oh. Paris. I was like, I got to go. I got to go. Oh, Je suis Robin. Je peux pas te parler maintenant. Um, So I'm going to spend time with her. Mm -hmm. She ended up marrying the guy that she was dating when I was with her. And they had, he had a house in Normandy. So they just redid it. So I'm going to go there for a few days. And then we're doing a Pilates retreat together. Wonderful. So I'm very excited. I I, I go as often as I can. I spend Christmas with them a lot. But living in Paris. Now, I will say that when I lived in Paris as a student, I was broke in ways you couldn't understand, but it goes back to my lesson. If you love what you are doing, you will find a way. Mm -hmm. So when I explained to people, I found an apartment, but there was no heat. There was no hot water. I didn't have a winter coat. And I remember convincing myself, hey, you know what? Cold water is terrific for cellulite. I'm just going to combat this cellulite before I have it. And I, I, you know, I just come up with reasons where it's a good idea. Oh, you sleep better in the cold. I would wear everything I owned. (laughs) But I made it through. I'm the first American to graduate the school that I went to. It's a very prestigious business school. And I just finagled my ways to do things. I mean, even the apartment that I got, I was working in a bank had an internship, and one of the ladies who worked there was in the middle of a divorce, so they had this pied-à-terre in, in Paris that they couldn't touch. So until the divorce was final, neither one of them could touch it. So she said, just live there and don't touch anything. So I remember when I moved in, 
It's a little one bedroom and I didn't see a bed. I thought, well, I can't touch anything. The only thing is they had a bearskin rug that I didn't want to walk on. So I rolled that up and moved it to the side. And I lived there for two years until the divorce was final. And the last week before I moved, I thought, I'm just going to see what's in those cupboards. Because for two years, I'd been good. It was a Murphy bed. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, so I've been sleeping on a sofa for two years with no heat, no hot water. Oh, my gosh. But, but they did it as a favor. They were like, hey, you know, we don't need to live here. You can live here. There's a way, I think in my life, I have finagled a lot of favors That's and adorable. gifts and yeah. I've been very lucky, and that was one of my lucky breaks. Oh, I just think that's adorable. <laughs> uh, but you know what? I was just thinking as you were saying that. I'm not surprised that one of your best friends is the woman that you met when you moved over there because you're so wonderful <laughs> and so <laughs> beautiful that I'm not surprised that you become best friends with everyone you meet because I feel like we're best friends. We're best friends. I feel we, like we, we are. are best friends. We are best friends. And we were together, you know, one <laughs> evening in New York five years ago. And I feel like we've become best friends. We've become best friends. Uh, I feel like you get me. I do get you. You you get me and you understand. I love you. I love <laughs> and adore you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So, okay, as a semi-local, are there any secret spots in Paris that you can share? Give us some good recommendations. There's a place that's about 45 minutes outside of Paris. You can drive, get a taxi, or take a bus. And it's uh, it's the discount shopping of Paris. Ooh. So all the me, I know. I, um, I'm trying to remember the name of it because they send me their emails all the time. It's the first place I go because it's... It's Chloe, it's Celine, it's Givenchy. Yes, I cannot believe you don't know this because it's it's discounted. Because this girl loves a discount. I have to let you know right now. Well, believe it or not, I'm not a shopper. I don't like shopping. You don't like shopping? No. Let me do it for you, Robin. It's one of my, it's pure joy. I, I don't go shopping. I, I If I traveled to Paris, I would enjoy maybe a day of going to a shop, but I'm not a shopper. I love having things. You know, I love Do you shop online? I shop online. But, and I have someone online. who goes shopping for me. Right. And brings it to the house. But I'm not Well, I think you have someone in Paris who can shop for you now. I do. At least Paris is taken care of. I will. I will. Thank you. <laughs> but have you been to Angelina's? Did you take the ladies to Angelina's? Uh, no. Oh, Robin. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm going to have to make a list. Yes, um, you'll have to. Beaufanger? No. Um, there's a great movie called Bowfinger that um, Steve Martin made, but it's about a restaurant in Paris called Bouffanger, no. which is a fabulous restaurant. It's a brasserie and they have, do you eat um, seafood? Do you eat like shrimp and oysters and things like that? They do the towers. Just a little, just a little. Uh, I don't eat a lot of seafood. Right. Do you like French food? Yes. Have, have you ever eaten at the, the Tour d'Archon, which is on the Eiffel Tower? Yes, we did. Yes, Isn't we did. That? Just our, our last trip to Paris, we did. We That's went there. That's lovely. That's a lovely um, place to eat. I'm trying to remember the place for baked potatoes and caviar. Uh, oh. Caviar Caspia. Oh, well, I'll check it's that out. Wonderful. 
Okay, we normally just do a game at the end of the episode, but since it's always my favorite part of the podcast, I just can't wait today. We're going to do it now. And this one is called Ceci ou cela, which is this or that in French. In honor of your travels, I'm going to read off a French-themed this or that question, and we're both going to answer what we prefer. Okay. Croissant or crepe? Croissant. Oh, I'm going to have to say croissant. I love chocolate croissants. Me too. Have you had almond? No. Oh, 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 almond is very good. It's kind of a treat that I always have on vacation, a chocolate croissant. Eiffel Tower or Louvre? Mm, Eiffel Tower. I'm going to say Eiffel Tower. The last time we were in Paris, we stayed at Plaza Antonay. Plaza Antonay. Oh, it was beautiful. And just got to just see that beautiful Eiffel Tower every evening. It was just gorgeous. So, okay, rosé or champagne? Rosé champagne. Yes, I totally agree. (laughs) Rosé, champagne, (laughs) only, only. Okay, (laughs) Chanel or Dior? Uh, It's Chanel. It's so obvious if you don't know that. Oh, I'm going to have to say Dior. (gasps) (gasps) We disagree. Oh, Oh, heavens. We do. I I really want to say both, but if I have to pick anything, it's always Dior. I love Dior. It's okay. I'll leave all the Dior for you. I'll get the Chanel. It's even. (laughs) Cheese and wine or chocolate and coffee? Chocolate and champagne? I was going to say chocolate and champagne, but (laughs) of these two, I'm going to go with chocolate and coffee. Yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite kind of cheese, though? I don't eat cheese. Oh, you don't eat cheese at all? I don't. I mean, I sometimes maybe would taste it, but I don't. You're not a big cheese eater. And I gave up wine about three years ago, so. Oh, because does it not agree with you? It doesn't agree with me. Yeah. I was having acid reflux in my yeah. system and didn't know it. My voice became very raspy. And I, I went to the ear, nose, and throat doctor, and he said, you're having acid reflux in your sleep because I was having wine with dinner. And he said, your larynx is irritated. I was like, oh, I didn't know it, so I just gave it up. That's what happened to me. Broadway, I stopped wine. Mm-hmm. I actually stopped wine, coffee, chocolate, citrus fruit. I yes. was committed. Anything spicy. Um, I gave it all up. And he said, well, don't give it up completely. Just don't have more than one glass. And I said, no, I'm, it's for, with me. I'm either all or nothing. Yeah, because it's your voice. It's your uh-huh. instrument. Uh-huh. This is what you're using. And he so. said, uh, I could have, I have one cup of coffee in the morning, but then I don't me have too. anything else. I don't either. Espresso or cafe au lait? Espresso. Espresso. Uh-huh. Yes. Lavender plant or lilies? Lavender plant. Yes, I agree. And the last one, creme brulee or souffle? If it's a chocolate souffle. Agree, agree. (laughs) I love souffles. I love them. (laughs) So being able to experience so many different places and people must help with acting. I think traveling really helps because you see how other people live. I mean, again, young people, I say, if you can find an opportunity to live abroad and really integrate another culture, I think it's the greatest thing. I think living in France and speaking another language helped me understand myself better because you have to use a whole nother set of tools to express yourself. So you really have to know who you are. That's true. And I have traveled extensively. I don't know if you know this, but last year I went to Paris for Christmas and Dubai for New Year's. And that was fascinating. And Dubai was not what I expected. Everybody knows the glitzy glam of Dubai, but Dubai is a lot like New York or even Los Angeles, any major city. 
yes, you have the $100 glass of champagne, but you also have the $6 drink. Mm -hmm. You have every level of restaurant, every level of shopping, and it's very interesting. I had a great time, and the desert is fantastic. But I loved it, went to Abu Dhabi to see the Grand Mosque. And I was recognized. There were all these people who were like, oh my gosh, can we, you're the lady from Bolt. Yeah, that's I me. Love it. So I was pretty jazzed about that. Yes. But traveling anywhere makes you understand how other people eat, mm -hmm. how they express themselves, how direct or indirect they are. And that just helps you craft a better character. Because all you have to do is put yourself in somebody else's shoes. That's a life lesson. You know. Jane Erica went to Dubai and said the same thing. They expected the glamour and the ritzy, glitzy part of it, but they loved seeing all of it. Great food. Mm -hmm. A lot of ethnic food mm -hmm. from all over the world. Mm -hmm. There's a gift that Erica brought back from Dubai for me. I thought it was sitting there. but I yeah. took um, yoga classes there, too. Oh, really? So the ladies would arrive in their burqas, but then because it's only ladies' yoga... They got to be in yoga clothes with us. It was very interesting. Oh. And I had the friends that I was with, a lot of French people lived there. So I went to see some French friends. But we had parties and had a lot of locals and very open, very curious about America, very curious about our politics. Uh -huh. They were really wonderful and welcoming. That's so and I don't know why I didn't anticipate that, yeah. but it was, was great fun. That's so wonderful. You know, you are just so easy to connect with. <laughs> I, I, I've said this before, but I mean it. So when you're an adult, making new friends, especially a friend like you, is really, really special. Do you make friends easily? That is so sweet of you to say. Um, yeah, I think I do make friends. I think that because I'm not shy and because I move so much, and I would hope to think that I'm as good as your husband at picking people, because I just know who I like and I don't know why. There is something that I find attractive in people, anybody who's overcome something. Mm -hmm. And I end up finding my people just because we know each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I've been very lucky mm -hmm. to have a lot of friends. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have to say I cherish my friendships so much. And do you agree that you can really totally be real friends with someone, even if you hardly ever see them in person? Absolutely. Because I, I feel that's what I've said before during our visit today. We've hardly been able to see each other, but I feel like we have become the very best of friends. <laughs> I think it's your authenticity. That's what I think it is, Robin. You are Thank so you. authentic and clear. And when you're honest with people and honest with yourself, I think you attract people. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I've loved about your podcast you. is you admit imperfection. Thank you. That I think is so important because people see a standard, but the truth is we're all just regular people trying yes. to do the best job we can. And when you admit that, mm -hmm. people aren't afraid to be close to you. Thank you. That is such a compliment because we've been out here now almost 20 years. And wow. so many people have said when we were moving out here, oh, you're going to go to La La Land and become someone else. And I thought, ah, I don't know why you say that, because we're who we are and we'll always be who we are. Absolutely. Nothing's going to change us. And I, I think and if you don't know who you are, there's always the risk. But yes. you know who you are. You're going to live the life, a conscious life. Yes, that's so true. What's your favorite way to do a girl's night? Um, I love to entertain. So the next time in New York, you're coming to my house. Yay. Um, I create a signature cocktail. <gasps> like... Passion fruit puree with Ooh. champagne. 
I'll, I'll make a cocktail Ooh. up and give it a name. Yes. You know, like Robin's so Rice. Like. Oh, uh, oh, do you do that too? Yes. I love to do that. I love to have parties and have a signature drink. You got to have a signature drink. It has to have a theme of the night yeah. and then everything supports oh. that. I love to have everything I do is a theme. Uh, me too. A uh, dinner party, party is a theme. The table decor is a theme. Yes. I do the same exact thing. I, as soon as I learned what a charger was, I had to get my chargers. Yes. But yes. I have to come up with a menu and I have to plan it out and just make everybody comfortable. Yes. And I love having the ladies over. Now, I don't know if you've ever had a, it's called a bitch and swap. And everybody brings things that either don't fit or they don't like anymore. And then you get together and you haggle. I love it. It's You will probably do that in the future. I hope I'm invited because they're awfully fun to do. And it's also good. I I get my actress friends who aren't as lucky as I am, and I make sure they're taken care of, too. Oh, I love it. you got to spread the love. Yes. I I know that you're a firm believer in that. I am a firm believer. I love that. So everyone brings something. They bring stuff, whether it's, it's, you know, jewelry or shoes or handbags, something they don't, you know, that they don't want to wear anymore that gives them no joy. Oh, I love it. And then you just share. And so I've done many. So when you have an actress who needs a little more help, you make sure that she gets the best deal. That's wonderful. But it's just a way to to help your yeah. girlfriends yes. and to be together. And oh. I'm a big fan of having friends of all different ages. Mm-hmm. One of my best friends was this amazing woman named Jane Hoffman. So Hoffman, my cat, is named after her. Oh, I met her, I think I was about to turn 30, and she was awfully close to 90. And we had sleepovers and parties, and man, she could throw a party. And a party at her house would be teenagers to 95-year-olds. Oh. Everybody who, all different levels of success, because it was interesting. Some of her friends, you know, at 90, they had, you know, been a big deal that I'd never heard of. So she said, it keeps them humble when I invite people that don't know who they are. I love that. And I think, because she was an actress who was successful on Broadway. And I love that she would do that. She said, it's really important to mix people up Mm -hmm. and to make sure that somebody who's 90 knows he has a new audience. Oh, my God. And I loved it. I love that. So. She's the one who taught me how to have a party. Here's my other trick. Everything has to be ready food-wise because uh-huh. you don't want to hide in the kitchen. So true. So if, if it's so a true. buffet brunch, you know, mm-hmm. but you'll come. I, I'm a good, I throw a good party. Oh, I cannot wait. And I agree that either everything has to be done before everyone gets there or everyone has to help prepare it once they get there. Because oh. I love having... When it's the girls, yeah. which I don't do it if it's couples because men don't like to have. But I love it when the girls come over and we all prepare what I we're going to have to good. eat. that's good. Then you're, you've got an activity together. Yes. yes. That's what's fun. Yes, I love it. Well, I bought a piano recently. Not that I play, but I thought I finally made it. I'm going to get a piano. and. Yay. I have had people over playing the piano and that's awfully fun. Oh, that's fun too. It brings people yes. out of their shell. Oh, I love it. I love it. I had a dinner party one time with uh, David Foster was there and uh, Kenny G was there and he brought the <gasps> saxophone and David played the piano. Oh, it was the fabulous. Dropping names here, but it was so fun. Well, that's okay. That's okay. I like it. <laughs> well, I hope that bowl never ends, but what is your next dream role for the future? Well, this is a great question, Robin, and I have two responses. Oh, good. Um, if there were to be a spinoff of Bull in a decade, Marissa Morgan would start a dating service. Ooh. Mm, maybe bumbleish, maybe millionaire matchmakerish. 
I think she would maybe bring her colleagues from Homeland Security, like a nice Persian gentleman. Um, she would have a lovely house guest that never seems to leave, mm. who's terrific at doing her hair. Uh, and and the joke in the episode would be that she's you know she's got her statistics skill. She can really figure people out yes. and find love for other people. But she's not good at it with herself. So mm. it's just another failed attempt every episode, which I thought would be kind of funny. That's great. That's a great idea. Oh, do you like that? I love that. Oh, good. My other idea is I'd love to be... <laughs> we are just too much alike. We are too much alike. Okay. Um, I would love to play my dear friend, Robin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, you're not even kidding. I like to read your emails doing your voice, and then I feel like I am you. So I have to come up with the perfect show to honor you and then play you. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, and who's going to play Dr. Phil? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Let's start casting right now. Who's going to play Dr. Phil? Who's play Dr. I'll Phil? get a little uh, a brunette bob, a, a brunette wig. It's going to be great. How, Michael, however, ready? when you play me and you find that the Dr. Phil, yeah. you'll learn that. He's been told by me, he can't Dr. Phil me. So whoever it is does not have to really be Dr. Phil. Well, that is why your relationship works. <laughs> That's so true. Because that is... he minds me. He, obey, he obeys. He does not Dr. Phil me. <laughs> he has to. How do you think it's going to work? 45 years you've been together. That's right. There's a reason. Don't Dr. Phil me. <laughs> Don't Dr. Phil me. <laughs> and I told him that before he was Dr. Phil. <laughs> when he was in, we were first married, first together, and he was still in college, he said, I need to practice doing a, a test, uh, an exam, psychological exam. So uh, you're going to be my patient. <gasps> we were in a little tiny apartment, and I sat down at the table, and he started doing his test, and I was squirming. I was up in the chair. I was out of the chair. I was like, I don't like this. <laughs> got about halfway through that exam, and I was like, oh, I don't like this. I don't like this. And this is the first and last time you're ever going to do this. And we didn't even finish the test. <laughs> No, there's something she has to keep secret. You have got a secret and it's going to stay that way. I I don't want you like learning my mind. Mm -mm. So we're not doing this anymore. (laughs) So he was told not to Dr. Phil before he was actually Dr. Phil. (laughs) Good. Yeah, I don't like it. So Geneva, since you're visiting LA, I wanted to surprise you with something fun and special. So we're ending the podcast here right now, but I've arranged for a car to pick us up and take us somewhere. So we're going to go, all of us here, are going to go to Phillips Star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I can't wait. I can't. Where's my lipstick? I got to look good for this oh, picture. Yes. So Secret Squad, go to, the, go to youtube.com slash I've Got a Secret podcast to see the rest of my day with Geneva. We're about to have so much fun on the Walk of Fame. See you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>